At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke. Presented by Bet Rivers. What's going on, folks? Welcome to another edition of the Chicago City Cast. Presented by Bet Rivers. Hope you enjoyed your weekend and hope you enjoyed your Monday. No show yesterday. We didn't have a Cubs or Sox game, so figured I'd save more of the content for today and beyond throughout this week. And, well, if you're unfamiliar, might as well get out of the way. Again, I'm Danny Burke at Danny Burke Fiverr. You could follow on Twitter and here on the CityCast. We're talking Cubs and Sox. New series beginning today for each respective squads. We've got the Avalanche and the Stanley Cup Finals. Who are they going to play? Is it going to be the Lightning? Is it going to be the Rangers? Well, I'll also discuss Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Finals between those two squads being Tampa Bay and New York after the Lightning finally got a dub. Can they replicate that tonight? Speaking of maybe repeating some efforts, can Golden State get the job done? We've got early lines for Game 3 with the series shifting to Boston. What do we think about that game and plenty more. So let's go ahead, jump right into it here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Uh, let's talk about this Cubs and Baltimore Orioles series. I don't think the Cubs have played the Orioles since 2017 is the last time that that occurred. So they're at Camden Yards for this series. Let's see how they fare out in Game 1. I'll just start again like we've been doing, kind of with the overall synopsis of the pitching matchup, hitting splits, bullpen, and then we'll look into what I put the line at as compared to what Bet Rivers opened the line at. So, both teams had an off day yesterday. Both teams have won two games in their last five efforts. 
All right. You got Keegan Thompson, who has been a stud, a stud for the Cubs and overall for the rest of the league has been at the top of the list for outstanding pitchers going against Kyle Bradish, the righty who has definitely had some struggles on the side of Baltimore. But beginning with Keegan Thompson, looking at his numbers, folks, he is six and zero with a 1.99 ERA, a FIP of 3.51. So you're seeing the difference. He's not as dominant as his 1.99 ERA, but still really good considering his FIP is 3.5. And his home run to fly ball ratio, 10% is average. He's above it with 7%. Ground ball percentage of 52.5%, so primarily a ground ball pitcher. That's what you like to see. His left on base percentage, 88%. League average is 72%, so great in that regard. And his BABIP, meaning when the hitters are making contact, uh, what is the average of the balls in play? 271 is the number where, you know, league average is typically about 300. His whip, 1.08, league average 1.30, so he's looking great in that spot. And he's got a really respectable Sierra of 3.69. So all his numbers are, are really strong. We know this. We talked about that when we handicapped him and backed him against the Cardinals last week, which we did cash in. So shout out to Keegan Thompson coming through. You kind of saw he was a little vulnerable to miss in some spots. And I know Goldschmidt's been on an absolute tear, but uh, he had a bad miss with two strikes and two outs against him that brought in a run. So sometimes he kind of leaves it hanging over the plate. That's what he is susceptible to doing. Maybe uh, a little bit different outlook for the offense you're going to face against the Orioles, which could bode well for Keegan Thompson. But again, he's shown being a really good pitcher, maybe not as great as his ERA, and his record is leading you to believe but overall, a really solid pitcher. Now, even when we were handicapping him last week, I was like, there's not really any number that would scare you from backing him, except for his splits on the road. His drawback is that the numbers are showing you that regression could be imminent for Thompson away from Wrigley Field. Now, on the road, he does still have a really solid ERA of 2.35, but his weighted on base average is 337, so the hitters have been making contact. You can't go too nuts about it, considering it's a different team, it's a different stadium, one that he hasn't pitched against. So it's something you throw out there, but maybe it doesn't completely deter you from betting on the Cubs. But his FIP is 4.83 on the road. So just keep that in mind before you go completely nuts trusting Keegan Thompson here. I'm not saying that's the bad side to go with it's more so just be cognizant of it now let's consider kyle bradish here the righty for the orioles is one in three with a 6.82 era yeah, a little bit different than thompson uh, a 5.44 fit a 24 percent home run to fly ball ratio terrible number uh babip 368 not great whip 1.55 not good at all but then you look at his Sierra, and it's 3.67. So that's telling you, hey, looking back, you know, his numbers should have been a little bit stronger. So maybe you can expect him to not be as poor as some of these other metrics are leading you to believe. But he does have worse numbers at home. So his splits do not favor his performances at Camden Yards, where he's got a 6.29 ERA, a 3.99 WOBA, and a 5.89 FIP. So I'm definitely not rushing to back Bradish here 
against Thompson, whose numbers are like, yeah, you know what, maybe he's not as dominant as it's leading you to believe, but nothing about Bradish would make me want to put a bet on him and or the Orioles. But again, let's kind of consider a little bit further the batting splits. How do the Orioles do against righties? They're hitting 668 OPS-wise, 278 BABIP, 296 WOBA, 92 weighted runs created plus. They do hit a little bit better against righties and lefties, but nothing about those stats against righties, again, would give you any conviction on the side of Baltimore. All right, well, what about the Cubbies? Well, the Cubbies, we know, are a team that does hit better against southpaws, but against righties, they still have fairly respectable numbers, at least in comparison to Baltimore, because the Cubbies got 7-11 as their OPS versus righties, 301 BABIP, 316 weighted on base average, and a 100 WRC+. Now, 100 is the league average, so if you're above it, that's how many points better you are than the league average in that respective split. So the Cubbies are right there in the middle of the pack. So not bad. Again, advantage to the Cubs. Now, the issue, though, with the Cubs against righties is that on the road against righties, their numbers do decrease to an 88 WRC+, as compared to an overall 100 then it's 296 Woba, 287 Babbitt, 664 OPS. But at Camden, the wind has blown out today. And look, it's a park they haven't played at this year and rather in quite some time. So again, context, it would be different maybe if it was against a division rival where you've seen them be on the road in some points or a couple of series. And, you know, that factors into those overall numbers. But uh, again, just something to throw out there. But it's a unique situation. It's different. Don't completely ride that they haven't been that great on the road into your handicapping for this game. But what you can look at and have some concerns about on the side of the Cubbies is their bullpen as of late. We know the past couple games in extras have not been great. Leading into extras have not been great. Now the Cubs have a bullpen ERA of 3.92 and a whip of 1.26. I was a harsh and heavy critic before the season started about this Cubs bullpen. I thought that was going to be one of their main issues. That their bullpen would implode, would blow games, or really just take them out of being competitive in a lot of games. And really, they've stayed afloat for a majority of this season. In fact, they have completely exceeded expectations, really up until the past couple of weeks. But now you're seeing them kind of get back down to reality. Granted, they need a little bit more depth and help, but it is what it is. Baltimore, though, has an actually really impressive bullpen. Uh, their bullpen ERA is 3.13 and a whip of 1.23. So, hey, um, if you like the Cubs, maybe you look at the first five angle with them. That could be your viable uh, option into trusting the Cubbies tonight. I do lean towards Chicago, right? I think they have the pitching advantage and the slight hitting advantage, very slight hitting advantage. But for some reason, I'm just a little, I have some trepidation with Keegan Thompson. I just feel like he's kind of due to have one bad start here. And knowing how I've been this season in the sense of I back a pitcher when they've been cruising and it happens to be their worst start. I just had it with Javier and the Astros last night. Give up five earned runs. Come on. Um, I did it with Cindergaard and I did it with someone else too, but it's just uncanny at this point. Nevertheless, Yes, I still would trust Keegan Thompson over Bradish. But when I'm looking to make this line, I have the Cubs as a favorite in my mind, but not by much. Not by much. 
I got the Cubs at my opening line. I would have put them at minus 115, and I would have put the Baltimore Orioles at plus 105 as the slight home dog. I would make this a low total, though. I would put it at 8 because we know how good uh, Keegan Thompson has been. The Orioles don't have the best numbers against righties. And conversely, the Cubs are average against righties, but they hit a lot worse against righties. So even though Kyle Bradish has struggled, if there's a start where he could maybe have a quality start, why not be against the Cubs tonight? So I actually think this is going to be a lower scoring affair. So that's my numbers, or those are my numbers. But as for Bet Rivers, they disagreed a little bit. They were pretty simpatico with me in terms of they made this a pick em, minus 109 each way. All right, I would agree with that. That's fine. But they made the total at nine at the opener. Yeah, a lot of books open this total at nine. You have seen a majority of books dip it down to eight and a half. So I'm somewhat on the right track with where the total should be going. But right now at Bed Rivers, yes, it's still eight and a half. Overs minus 117, under is minus 103. The money line is now shifted to the Cubs minus 110 and the Orioles minus 106. If you want to go with the run line with Chicago, it's plus 148. If you want to take the run in the hook with Baltimore, minus a buck 77. So yes, I do give the advantage to the Cubs for the full game. I'd probably rather bet them in the first five like we did with Keegan Thompson in his last outing against the Cardinals, which we cashed in on. I, you know, at the end of the day, though, I don't think that's going to be a bet I make because there's something in the back of my mind that is concerning me with him, even though it's against the Orioles. I The Orioles, and I've said this oddly enough, like the past week, like two times to some people that the Orioles are the most unfamiliar team to myself. I've bet on them. I don't think I've bet on them once. So they're like the least bet on team that I've been involved with in the majors really for the past couple of years. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, I just, I wouldn't do anything here. I'm just going to root for the Cubs. If I had to do something first five with the Cubs, but honestly more so, I think I'd go with the first five under. Now, it opened five in some shops, but now you're getting consensus about four and a half. Maybe even consider the no run in the first, something like that. I mean, can you trust Bradish for five innings? That's kind of the the slight concern with going under four and a half for the first five is that the Cubbies, once they get to their top order by like the fourth inning or something, fifth inning, maybe they come around and take advantage of it and it pushes it over four and a half. That would be a little bit of a concern for me. And that's why I ultimately will not be betting this game. But those would be my approaches to it. The first five under. I, You know, look, the full game under is moving down. I don't bet full game unders because, again, you're trusting bullpens. If it goes to extras, you got the guy starting on second. It's, it's, a, tough, it's a tough thing to do. And more often than not, no, you're probably not getting screwed by it. But you know how it goes. You got to be... Uh, you got to be pessimistic, or at least I am. And I'm like, yeah, if I were to do it, then of course it would have both of those things involved. But that's just my way of thinking this baseball season. So a bunch of leans in that game. Not that I'm going to play officially. Let me know if you like something there. At Danny Burke 5, or you could tell me on Twitter or email me, dburke at vison.com. I do got to play for the White Sox, though. This game and this series hopefully can be a blast. And I'm saying a blast as if you just seen a lot of High-flying talent, some of the best names in baseball, and what should be the best teams in baseball, but really you only got one of those featured, being the Los Angeles Dodgers. But the White Sox 
impressively enough, won two out of three at Tampa Bay. So good for you, Chicago. We're rooting for you. Come on. We got our ticket to win the AL Central. It's time to step it up. The Dodgers played, I think, like 31 games in 32 days or something. They finally got an off day yesterday. So did the Sox. But uh, the Dodgers coming off a four-game set versus the Mets. They split those four games. And now they got Michael Kopech as their opposition. And Kopech, man, I mean, Kopech's one and two, so that's kind of tough to see. But, you know, you realize that it should be better because he's got a 2.20 ERA, a 3.41 FIP, a 1.02 whip, a BABIP of 189, stellar number, uh, 3.4% home run to fly ball ratio, fantastic as well. But then there are a couple concerning things. One of those that he's walking a decent amount of guys, 4.6 walks per nine innings pitched, and his Sierra, 4.58. Big difference between his ERA of 220 and his FIP of 341, his Sierra is telling you, hey, he's actually, or he actually should have been doing worse than the numbers are leading you to believe. And 4.58 is his skill interactive ERA. Maybe that makes you a little hesitant on Kopech. I mean, we've seen Kopech be volatile, but he has been pretty stable at home though, folks. 2.05 ERA, 180 Woba, and a FIP of 3.27. Now, his last outing at Toronto was his worst of the year. Six hits, five earned runs, they lost 7-3. to three. Maybe he got that out of his system, though, right? You know, you have one terrible outing, and you kind of bounce back the next game. Aside from that, he gave up two runs versus Kansas City in April, and then three versus the Yankees, who are dominant, back in May, in the middle of May. Otherwise, he has been rock solid. No earned runs or just one earned runs. So again, he has been fantastic, but is this something he can maintain or is what you saw against the Yankees and or the Blue Jays more so of what you should expect with Kopech? I don't really buy that as much. I do think he's a great pitcher. I think more often than not, he will have quality starts. And I think he gives the Sox actually more of an advantage than you would think against the Dodgers in this particular setting because the Dodgers are throwing out Mitch White. Who? Exactly. Uh, he's kind of a converted reliever at this point. The righty is 1-1 one one with a 4.79 ERA. He started three games, by the way. Um, he's got a 1.21 whip, 4.20 FIP, 13.6% home run to fly ball ratio, 64% left on base percentage. But his Sierra is showing you that maybe he could be a little bit better than those numbers, 3.65. Maybe. He's not really a guy who's probably going to get you too deep in these games. The deepest he has gone is five innings, and that was the last outing against the Pirates where they lost 8-4. to four. Now, the issue here is that, yeah, the Dodgers are thrown out a pitcher. You would think a team like the White Sox could take advantage of, but guess what? The White Sox don't take advantage against anybody who's throwing with the right hand. They got a 622 OPS first righties, 271 Babbitt, 277 Woba, 82 WRC plus. Remember, you want to be above 100. Yikes. But guess what? It gets worse. At home, for whatever reason, against righties, the White Sox have then a 589 OPS, a 241 BABIP, a 263 WOBA, and a 72 WRC plus. Unbelievably bad for any team, let alone a team that features a group that should have a plethora of all-stars. 
But has the tide turned a little bit? Can that performance against Tampa Bay swing him into this series feeling good with hot bats? Well, if there's a righty to do it against, probably can be Mitch White. But can he keep up with the Dodgers offense? Can you get Kopech to give you five strong innings? Because the Dodgers against righties, they're smashing the ball. 774 OPS, 297 BABIP, 340 WOBA, and a 120 WRC+. And guess what? Even if Mitch White doesn't have the best first five, but he keeps the game close and, you know, maybe Kopech goes off and you have a small lead, whatever it's going to be, you're going to trust this White Sox bullpen that now has a 4.19 ERA and a 1.39 whip? Hell to the no, I'm not going to trust the White Sox in this full game. The Dodgers have a bullpen ERA of 3.32 and a great whip of 1.12. So again, if you're looking to bet a specific team like we said with Keaton Thompson, the Cubs, Kopech and the Sox, you got to figure it should be a first five type of approach. But holding off on the first five momentarily, what did I make this line and what did Bet Rivers make it? Well, the pitching advantage goes to the White Sox. Damn near everything else goes to the Dodgers. But because of the unknown with Mitch White, and because of what we just saw from the White Sox in the last series, maybe they shouldn't be that big of a favorite, the Los Angeles Dodgers. So I'm going to put them at minus 120. And I'm going to make the Sox plus 110. And I'm going to put this total at 8.5. Well, Bet Rivers opened the Dodgers minus 123, 3 cents off. The White Sox plus 108, 2 cents off. They did open the total at 8.5. So not too far off in any of those spots. As of right now, where the line stands, at Bet Rivers, you can get the Dodgers at the price of minus 122. The White Sox plus 105. Total still at 8 in the hook, but a little bit of momentum to the over. Juice is minus 117 to that direction. But the Sox getting some love in the market for the outright game. Run line for the Dodgers, plus 132. And if you want to take the run in the hook with the White Sox, it's minus 157. That first five approach, I think the Sox are plus 110, actually. A bigger dog in the first five, which seems a little bit surprising. Yeah, plus 110 for the first five money line. Dodgers, minus 136. That's where I would look if you want to back the White Sox. But that's just me and not wanting to trust the White Sox bullpen. I've profited off of fading their bullpen, and you probably have too. And I don't want them to be the reason you lose a bet on the White Sox. But you would also, you know, you would look and go like, well, if there's a game the White Sox should get or could get against the Dodgers, it's probably this one. So with that being said, yeah, the lean goes first five White Sox, but that's not what I'm playing. My official bet is going to be revolving around Mitch White. And I don't know why I was contemplating. I guess just because I was looking over some of his other metrics at fan graphs and with his strikeouts. And I, I was looking at Mitch White and his strikeouts prop. And the number is 4.5 over plus 123. Under 4.5 Ks is minus a buck 65 at Bet Rivers. Now, I get that that's a steep price. But every other book has it at least like minus 170 or above. And White is only averaging 2.8 strikeouts per game. Now, in the three games he has started, 
He's averaging 3.7 strikeouts per game, and he got over this number once, which was his most recent start. He got seven versus Pittsburgh. It's the Pirates, a little bit different than the White Sox. Otherwise, he got two and two strikeouts, respectively, in his other two starts. Now, here's what kind of caught my attention. On the road, he's got a 9.3% strikeout to walk percent ratio compared to 22.7% at home. So at home, he's striking out a lot more batters than he is walking batters. But on the road, the difference isn't that large. There's not as many strikeouts, and there's a little bit more walks. Now, the White Sox actually have the fifth best strikeout percentage in the bigs, meaning the fifth lowest at 19.7% strikeout percentage. But against righties, it gets even better. They have the third lowest at 19.2%. So I'm going to lay the wood here. I'm going to lay that steep price. Give me Mitch White under four and a half strikeouts minus 165. Go under the pitcher props tab at Bet Rivers if you're having a tough time finding it. And hopefully you get it before it moves because I think it does move and I think we do cash this. I'm hoping we cash it. Knock on wood, baby. But give me Mitch White for my official play in the White Sox and Dodgers game one under four and a half Ks minus 165. That's my official play with Chicago baseball action tonight, folks. If you want more, well, I'll be sure to discuss it on Rush Hour, which you can always catch Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time on VSIN.com, the VSIN app. Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts available. And don't forget the Marquee Sports Network. As long as the Cubbies ain't playing, they'll get half of the show or all the show. But yeah, be sure to check it out and follow along on Twitter at DannyBurke5. Quick break here. Coming next, Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Stanley Cup postseason. Lightning, Rangers, who do we got? Who do we like? Where are the odds? And what are those odds for Game 3 of the NBA Finals? We'll touch on that next here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers has your bases covered with early week betting fun. Your baseball bet gets a little extra pop at Bet Rivers Sportsbook every Tuesday. Just log into Bet Rivers and receive a 20% profit boost on a baseball bet every single Tuesday during the entire regular season. You can use it on straight bets, player props, or a same game parlay. You decide. Log on to the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com and get your 20% profit boost today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. All right, let's get into some postseason action here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Let's talk a little bit of hockey, why don't we? Our Tampa Bay Lightning, yes, I'm saying our Tampa Bay Lightning because we took the adjusted series price. By the way, fat loser, big, big, fat old loser on Edmonton, Colorado, over five and a half games, plus 105 was the number. Yeah, Edmonton banged up at that point. Man, I thought they were going to be Colorado last night. But uh, no, Mike Smith did Mike Smith things, and the Oilers looked to turn out to be the team that I thought they were going into the series against Calgary. Yeah, they found two ways to screw me. So thanks a lot, Edmonton. Uh, whatever. <laughs> the Avalanche now an overwhelming favorite. 
They're minus 225 to win the cup. Guys, that's kind of a that's kind of aggressive. I get that they've been the short shot all year, but there has been some volatility with this avalanche team, it seems. What's the Kemper Franco situation? Is that even gonna matter? Whether it does or not, you know, if you like the Rangers or the Lightning, why not jump in on their price? to win the cup. So the Avalanche are minus 225, the Rangers are plus 425, and the Lightning are plus 450, which by the way doesn't make sense because the Lightning are still an underdog, or excuse me, the Lightning, no, I'm, I think I'm correlating this with something else. Let me double check before I make a fool out of myself here. Um, So for the series price, okay, well the Lightning are plus 116, the Rangers are minus 136. Now, what was I looking at for that? It must have been something different. Oh, what th- what it was, was this. Okay, so for the exact outcome of the series, the Lightning to win in seven is plus 310. That's the shortest odds for all of the exact outcomes. Like the Rangers to win in five is plus 390. The Rangers to win in six is plus 370. The Rangers to win in seven is plus 370. And the Lightning to win in six is plus 340. So my point is like, why is the Lightning to win in seven plus 310 when the Lightning are a underdog for the outright series, you would think that one of the shortest odds for the exact outcome would be in one of the spots for the Rangers. I get it, I guess, if it's a liability thing to where, you know, people are only betting the Rangers on the outright series instead of more action on the exact outcome. So I understand that. It's just kind of a an odd correlation or lack thereof in that aspect. But yeah, so... Those are the updated numbers. Uh, over six and a half games played in the series, plus 125. Under six and a half, minus 162. Under five and a half games, plus 390. But remember, at that point, it's going to be the Rangers to win it. So it's the same bet as minus two and a half at plus 390. And of course, Rangers to win in five, plus 390. So no discrepancies there. Good job. They got their odds in order. Um, yeah, but for the outright Stanley Cup odds, again, if you like the Rangers or the Lightning, you're going to be sitting on a series ticket for the Stanley Cup at over $4 as opposed to laying $2 with the Avalanche. Like, I don't think they should be that big of a favorite. I'm not saying they're not going to win it, but like in terms of the odds, hell no. Not going to lay that. And you're not going to get as good of an odd if you wait with the Rangers and or Lightning. So, yeah, consider it. But what should we consider for game four? Rangers lead 2-1. Tampa Bay finally got a dub in the last game. Thank you. Jeez. Uh, you're giving us a heart attack there for a second. Down 2 nothing, And then, well, they took advantage. Got damn near the buzzer beater shot. I mean, they're like 30 seconds left. But you get my point. The Lightning come through. A much-needed win. Can that be the win to finally boost them in the winning column again versus this Rangers squad? Well, looking at last game, now you figured, or at least I did, I guess. I mean, I figured the Lightning would win that game at home. Of course, they needed to. And they outshot New York 52-30. to A little bit different, uh, different, I don't even know what you want to call it. Just a little bit different outcome from the Lightning than you saw when they were on the road. I mean, the Rangers are completely different at home. That's why I think the Lightning win this thing in seven. Hence, maybe why it's the shortest odds. A lot of other people are thinking it too. Uh, but Tampa Bay had four power play opportunities and capitalized on two of them. New York had five power play opportunities and capitalized on two of them in that game. But Tampa Bay got the winning shot. Beautiful setup at the end, and they get the dub. 
Look, Tampa Bay's got to be more disciplined. And I thought that would be the big difference from them as opposed to the Hurricanes, that they would be more disciplined. They would not commit as many just costly penalties and conversely take advantage of the ones presented to them, which they did at home, but on the road, not so much. So play cleaner, play smarter, and get out in front early, why don't you? I know they didn't game two, but they couldn't hold on to it. But yeah, Tampa Bay, I'm just hoping that that last game finally, and it seems funny to say based on what you've seen from them the last two series, but I'm hoping that it got them over the hump, that now it's like, oh, finally. We got that weight off our shoulder. It was close, but we got that win against the Rangers. Shesterkin is human. We can do this. So how did that affect the betting market for game four? Well, Tampa Bay opened about minus 165, New York plus 140, the total at five and a half. Five and a half remains the total. The juice remains on the under, minus 134. The overs plus 112. Uh, Moneyline now has Tampa Bay at Bet Rivers minus 180. So yes, the market has shown some love for the home favorite. The Rangers are catching plus 150. Now, if you want to look into the realm of puck line, if you want to lay the puck in the hook with Tampa Bay, it's plus 150. You want to take the puck in the hook with the Rangers, minus 180. I think Tampa Bay wins this game. I'm not going to you know, sit here and say I have the utmost confidence in necessarily even betting it because I don't want to lay the steep price of minus 180. And in fact, I don't really want to go with the puck line with Tampa Bay because Shesterkin is a great enough goalie to keep it close. And Tampa Bay's offense hasn't done anything out of this world to lead me to believe I can trust them winning by more than one. So what is the best way to get involved? Well, honestly, if you don't mind laying the chalk, then maybe that's how you do it with Tampa Bay. If you think the empty netter can come home, then yeah, go with the puck line and the value. Or you could live bet it. Maybe it stays close all game and he could get a better number. I'm sure that will be a very good opportunity to do that. Because Tampa Bay deserves to be the favorite, but they really don't deserve to be a minus 180 favorite. That's what's a little too, a little bit too much. You know, me as someone who's rooting for the Lightning, even I'm like, nah, I don't think they should be minus 180. If I wasn't invested in the Lightning with the series and just think they're the better team, like if I was just someone who just started watching this series from the start and was very objective to it, I'd be like, plus 150 with the rain. How are they that big of a dog? And I get what the difference has been, the home and road splits, and that maybe that momentum has swung that pendulum big time in favor of Tampa Bay, but we won't know till it goes off. So right now, that's why I'm saying I don't think they should be minus 180, but I'm hoping they cash at minus 180 for sure. So after all that being said, maybe the best way to go about it is actually the regular timeline three-way bet, a.k.a. the 60-minute line, the win in regulation bet. To where the Rangers are plus 235. If you think it goes to overtime, it's plus 335. But if you think the Lightning can win in regulation, doesn't matter if it's by one or by 15, but the game doesn't go to overtime, the Lightning win in regulation, the number then decreases to minus 106. Wow, a 74 cent difference. I actually, I mean, the thing is, yeah, it would not blow my mind or anybody's mind to see this series go or see this game going to overtime. The last two games were decided by one goal. The first one was what, six to two, but the last two were three to two. 
So overtime, you know, could be happening at some point. But yeah, if I'm looking to back the Lightning, I think that's the best way to do it. So you're not laying minus 180. I think you do wait for in-game or you do the win in regulation minus 106. Nothing with the total for me. But that would probably be my way to bet it. And you know what? By the time I get on a rush hour tonight, that might be my trigger that has been pulled for a bet. I do want to see a little bit more so how this market moves. And yeah, I mean, looking around in Vegas, the the shortest numbers like minus 170 on the Lightning. Um, let me find in the state of... By the way, vsin.com, if I haven't told you, I'm sure I have, but they have a tool where you can look state by state to compare the different odds. So it's a fantastic thing to use for every sport. Uh, the best number in Illinois, minus 170 on the Tampa Bay Lightning. And if you want the best number on the Rangers, plus 155 seems to be the best one. So yeah, I like Tampa Bay in this game, but I think you got to be careful about how you look to bet it. Let's go Lightning. Come on, baby. Get back in this series. I think it probably goes seven and Tampa Bay takes care of business. Um, NBA, the finals. Warriors, helping our uh, MVP ticket in series bet a little bit by looking competent in game two. What can they do for game three? Well, speaking of game three, folks, Bet Rivers, as you know, is your home for betting on the pivotal game three matchup between Boston and Golden State. And three is the magic number. When you bet on any player's total three-pointers prop bet, you'll get a free bet for every three made in the game. Yeah, not bad, right? Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Bet on the threes in game three and score yourself some free bets. Make your bets at betrivers.com or on the BetRivers app. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. But yeah, game three should be a fun one. Going to be big time telling on uh, what the pace of this series is going to be from this point on. The Celtics have kind of been, uh, they've been a little wishy-washy. At home this playoffs, right? And I'm not saying that Golden State's been great on the road, but that's kind of expected to struggle more on the road than on the uh, than on your home floor. So Boston, five and four straight up at home this season. We have seen them be vulnerable to blowing big leads, even if they do hold on. Golden State, three and four straight up on the road this postseason. Two of those had been elimination games to where the desperation levels just, you know, favored the Nuggets and then uh and then the Mavericks. So, yeah, take that into account, I suppose. But Boston, you saw game five versus Milwaukee. They blew it. They lost. Boston, you saw game six versus the Heat. Could have capitalized on the series. They lost. Now, there's just some weird spots for them at home. Doesn't mean it's going to translate over to this series, but something that you need to remember. So the Celtics finally looked human, huh? They shot 37.5% from the floor and 40.5% from three. They committed seven more turnovers than Golden State. They had 19, right? That's a big difference right there. Golden State had more points in the paint as well, 40 to Boston's 24. We thought Boston would be the team to control the paint. I was talking with Mike Palm on Rush Hour last night. You know, top dog, one of the top dogs over there at Circa, co-host of Odds On with Amal Shaw. 
And I asked him about this game, and he had a good point because I'm obviously hoping Golden State wins, but I'm not too confident they win game three. You know, you're kind of applying the zigzag theory here, especially going back home for the Celtics. But Golden State, for a majority of this series, has controlled it. Even when it's been by a little bit in the first halves of each respective games, they've controlled a majority because the one quarter they didn't control was obviously the fourth quarter where a complete aberration of 40-16 to 16 goes in favor of Boston who was damn near perfect in their shooting efforts with Al Horford going off, with Derek White making shots with hands in his face, with Peyton Pritchard being that annoying pest. Marcus Smart drilling threes and Tatum only had 10 points. And that's like, you look at that on the side of Boston, you're like, oh, if you only had 10 points, I mean, man, they're in trouble. Well, Golden State, their desperation levels were high. They showed up, they showed out, they held on, and they dominated. Gary Payton Jr. being back, huge. Jordan Poole hitting shots finally, huge. Clay struggled, they still got by. And that's what we were saying before the series. You can have a guy like Clay struggle, another guy will pick him up. That's what we thought in game one. It was just the most impressive comeback and shooting performance in a fourth quarter history was occurring by Boston. And for that to happen again and to expect that again is a tall order. But Boston opens up as a three and a half point favorite for game three. Total opened up 215 and a half. By the way, that's dipped down to 212 and a half. Unders minus 112. But Boston still remains a three and a half point home favorite. Money line minus 157 for the Celtics and the Warriors are plus 133. I hopped on a numbers game with Jeff Parles today and I was talking about this game. And look, I've talked about this a lot in terms of live betting the Warriors. And that's what I did on Sunday. And we discussed it on Friday after we got screwed in game one. Because I was like, you'll get a better number with the Warriors. And he could have for the first quarter, for the second quarter. It was there. And I took advantage of it, so I hope you did. But even with them as a dog, I think you can get a better number for sure. I mean, yeah, Boston should be the favorite at home. They should get a momentum boost. And I think at some point, Boston will have a considerable lead, whether it's anywhere from like 9 to 12 to 15 points. But again, they have been susceptible to blowing these leads. So I'm going to wait more than likely... See if you can't get that better in-game number with Golden State as a dog and then look to take the points. And yeah, I'm hoping they win, but if not, they could cover a bigger spread. I still believe they're the better team. I still believe they win this series. But just don't get blown out in Game 3 because here's the thing. You know, the odds are already telling you they don't really expect them to win Game 3. And maybe I don't either. I don't know. But you can barely lose Game 3 and be fine. Because game four, you can bounce back, whatever it is. But you can't get blown out again. Because that's tough to recover from on the road in a hostile environment at the TD Garden. So that's what at least I'm hoping that Golden State can keep it close and keep it within winning's distance. If you think they're capable of that, plus 133 on the money line... Not too shabby for the team that has played better in seven out of eight quarters thus far. That's the truth. Should be a blast. I'll get into it more so with props tomorrow once we get to game day. But that'll be 8 p.m. Central Time tip-off Wednesday night. 
All right, so that's all I got for you today, folks. More content, as you know, tonight, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Rush Hour on vsin.com. You can follow me on Twitter for more info at Danny Burke 5 our official play from segment numero uno, Mitch White under four and a half strikeouts at the price of minus 165 going against the Chicago White Sox. Let's get those bats rolling. Let's get those good looks. Don't chase. Make some contact. And hey, keep up the winning streak here, Chicago. Or just the winning series streak. It's not a streak, but let's make it into one, right? We want our division bet to look good. Let's hope Keegan Thompson has a solid effort once again. Keep it going, bud. Keep being a stud. Alrighty, best of luck with whatever you're playing tonight. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Enjoy the night. Uh, we'll be, we'll be back tomorrow. I'll have another show tomorrow. We'll preview the game a little bit more extensively and, of course, more baseball and hockey action. But until then, best of luck with your wagers and take care, folks.